Good evening, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Aaron Mack. Today, we're going to speak about the Omicron variant. Apparently got to me. And now I'm going to speak about how the, the vaccines and medical world has gone to too far, too crazy. And I'm going to speak about also the New York City mayors, how crazy it's gone. And how far it's gone. Coming up on our two, on our podcast, but first, let's get to our sponsors. We'd like to thank My Pillow. They're a wonderful sponsor of ours at MyPillow.com. My Pillow is a great um shout out. We don't have a sponsor, but we give them a lot of shout outs on our podcast. Um, you can call them by calling eight hundred five five nine two eight. 75 800 559 2875 um and use code best66 that's the latest code that they have right now and a good evening everyone welcome to the podcast um if i sound very different um i i kind of do um than my normal voice uh, a little after COVID in March, um, during March time, let me tell you the exact date. Um, I have a picture actually of this past year. Um, to start off this year, by the way, this this date to be exact, today is January first. To start off my new year, I was feeling sick. On Thursday. And. I didn't feel like. Crazy. Um. I didn't feel like. It was crazy but. I was like. I I fell asleep. And. Really early. On Thursday. And I thought it was like, I was, I thought I was just tired. And then Friday morning I wake up, I'm like, geez, I'm so tired. I don't know what it is. And then Friday night, I'm like coughing like a nuthead. I go, I go out and uh, to normal, to do my normal stuff. And then... This morning I wake up, like body aches, coughing, like a really bad um, cough, and then I was shivering, very cold, like towards the middle of the day, I was cold, and I had to put on my coat, and it's like, I look at my temperature in my house, it's 71 degrees, and I'm like, what the heck is going on? So the last time I had COVID was March 22nd was the last time I tested positive for coronavirus. And today, uh, January 1st, 2022, I tested positive for coronavirus again. Almost a year. No, less than a year. To be exact, 
we're talking one no hang on let's see one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven months later not even twelve or one year later eleven months within that time and I'm double vaxxed by the way I'm double vaxxed and our producer Adam he's not here now because I have COVID um unfortunately he's not here I told him I broke the news to him that I'm I'm double vaxxed and I have COVID uh no one's in our studio right now except for me thank god I wanted to go to the studio and just be by myself and um um and uh just be on the air while I have COVID. It's going to be wonderful how I remember how Joe Rogan was on air the next day he had COVID. He said he had COVID. No, when Joe Rogan had COVID, he, he took the monoclonal antibodies and ivermectin and, um, I. And, um, Redemisver. I'm not going to do that because I'm not a person that basically doesn't need it. I'm a young guy who's going to, who gets COVID. And I'm going to be in quarantine for until Wednesday. So, by the time you're listening to this, uh, I, uh, I was, I was not, I told you at the beginning, I was, um, I was not feeling well on Thursday. So, that's day one. Friday's day two. Saturday's day three. Tomorrow's day four. So, I'm basically out by five, which is Wednesday. I'm out by Wednesday, um, by Wednesday night. I'm going to be back to normal by Thursday. So, it's great that, um, I have COVID for the second time because I need those, everyone needs the antibodies. Um, and my, our doctor that spoke to us, um, he said a year ago to me, in private, he said to me, everyone's going to get it, and get it w- once or twice, whatever, and it's wonderful, it's wonderful that we have it, we're going to um, fly through it, it's going to be great. Just give us a moment. Um, we need to speak to our doctor. We'll be back after these following messages. Alright, we're back. Um, 
let's go to our sponsor. Let's give a shout out to, let's first give a shout out to one podcast that I listened to recently. Um, by the way, this podcaster is also not feeling well. There's a lot of people, unfortunately, not feeling well lately. Um, my prayers go out to him. Brian Craig from the Brian Craig Show podcast. Um, my prayers go out to him. Um, he, he, um, he's a great show. He has a great show, talks about Trump. And look him up on YouTube and iHeartRadio. Um, Brian Craig Show. And on all of our social media, you can find him. Um, Ryan Craig Show Podcast. We'll be back in a minute. All right, welcome back, everybody. Um, so I was saying that a lot of people are getting sick lately. Um, And, hang on. Not sure why this email didn't go. We're sending out emails to our team. Alright, fine. Um... As I said, a lot of people are getting COVID and flu and all that. It's pretty nasty what's going on. Um, and what I have to say, it's pretty insane that I had it within 11 months. All right. Let's just get to our our podcast instead of speaking about COVID. I wanted to speak about the podcast, speak about de Blasio. I had stuff to speak about and I'm like, you know what? We'll speak about COVID first if I have it. All right. Now we got covered of COVID with me. Um, de Blasio. Um, his last day was, what, what was his last day? When was his last day? Um, it was Wednesday, I think. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. Listen to this. Two days ago. He walks down, he walks down the, um... The stairs. He gives a thumbs up. Clapping. He's wearing a mask, by the way. He has to wear the mask. Everyone has to wear the mask. Giving the high fives. Um, No, he doesn't give the high fives. He gives the elbow bumps. Uh, elbow bumps, of course, and then the lieutenant mayor, deputy mayor, gives a hug. Gee! Oh my god. Take off the mask. Time. <laughs> the law 
long eight years. Here we go. But as uh, Bill likes to say, it's only two days. The day you go in and the day you go out. Yup, it's the day that you go out, ladies and gentlemen. It's wonderful that we got a new, wonderful that we got a new mayor. Finally. And I guess this is the day you go out. Um, what an adventure this has been. Um, he took out. He took off his mask. Maria? Just now. <laughs> there you <go>. <laughs> <laughs> like magic. Like magic. I could not be more proud of, of all that we have accomplished over this time. But, of course, none of this would have been done if it hadn't been for all of you. So, please, give yourselves a round of applause. try not to cry and make this very brief, but I do want to thank each and every member of the team, every member of this administration, and say thank you for the honor, the true honor that it's been to serve as First Lady. Uh, I never knew, never knew what this experience would be like, could be like, despite the fact that I actually started working here one thirty years ago. Uh, it still has been a true surprise and meaningful beyond my wildest imagination. So thank you to every New Yorker for giving our family this opportunity to serve. I look forward to getting back home to Brooklyn. Brooklyn! Brooklyn Borough! Here we go! But I want all of you to know that one way or another that Bill and I will still be around ready to serve and support you in, in some form or fashion whenever it's needed in the years to come. And now for the last time this year in this administration, I have the great honor of introducing an extraordinary leader. Extraordinary. <laughs> My partner in all things and the partner in crime. mayor of New York City. Bill de Blasio! Everyone stand up and yay hooray! Kissing. Oh my god. Hugging. Even during Corona. What the heck is going on with Bill? He he did the mandates. He says, don't touch, don't hug, don't kiss. Remember the mask. Remember the gloves. Remember to sanitize. And don't go outside. And now he's doing the opposite. When Sherlane said that, it reminded me. Put the mask back on when you're done we talking. We all together won the right to be here. I've, as I've been going around, greeting everyone upstairs and coming down, a lot of you were on that journey with us. A lot of you made it possible. So, eight years ago, at this moment, we were about to embark on the great unknown of coming into here and leading this city. But for everyone who was part of making it happen from the very beginning, I really want to express appreciation. There are some people here, I'm not going to name names, there are some people here go back to the 2013 campaign, the 2009 campaign, the 2001 campaign, the 1999 school board race. Uh, all the people who made it possible, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
and then we hope you leave right away. I have been ordered by Sherlane to be brief, so I'm going to try and bring... Because I'm, le I'm getting out of here. I hate this city. ...you some from the heart, intense brevity. Here we go. First of all, Sherlane McRae redefined what it means to be the first lady of New York City and did so much good for the people of the city. It takes my breath away. I love her more than ever. Thank you, Sherlane. Uh, that's weird. Uh, that's weird. Kind of weird. Talking about your wife like that on stage. You could speak about your wife, but not in that way. A little weird. You can say more okay. Right. I'll sing a praise song. Everybody, what we did here in these eight years. He's doing these hand motions. I'm noticing different people do these hand motions on different shows. And... I don't know if he's doing it on purpose, but... It's profoundly changed this city, and the effects of what we've done have only begun to be felt. I want everyone to feel this. What you have all done, and there was so much passion. I, as I look around, I can feel the times when we worked together to make something happen, and so often we were told it could not be done. Raise your hand if you're ever told it could not be done. But you did it. You did it. You did it. You changed millions of people's lives. We changed the way our kids are educated. We changed way people get the housing they need. We changed the way people get the mental health care that so often was denied to them. We changed policing in this town permanently. We have changed so many things in the name of working people. And I want to thank everyone because you believed you could make the change. There's no way this works unless there's a group of kindred souls filled with spirit, filled with energy, filled with talent who give their all and and i don't think the public has gotten the opportunity to know how hard you work how much passion and love you put into your work but i've seen it every day from time to time i've said let's go farther you can do more you can do better but when i told you you could do better it's because i knew you could it was actually a compliment. Maybe it didn't always feel that way, but it was. <laughs> it was a compliment because I understood your greatness. I mean this. I understood your greatness. And I believe that we set the bar here, you could hit that. But if we went set the bar up here, you would find a way, and you did. You did. You every time amazed me. We were not supposed to be able to have done pre-K. We did pre-K, and then we did 3K on top of it. Remember that. And we were not supposed to have been able to do 200,000 affordable apartments, 
We did 200,000, now it's going to be 300,000. You did that. And Lord knows, the folks we talked to said, don't even think that you can make an impact on something as difficult and sprawling as mental health. But we have now set the model of how to reach people who never even got to talk about their problem. I want you to understand what happened here. It's not just programs. It's there's a very different conversation now happening in the families in New York City. And people now can talk about this human reality and get the help they deserve. You made that happen. That is, I have, I have talked to people whose lives have been changed. I want you to understand this. I don't know how much you all get to hear from the people whose lives you've made better. I hope you have. Every single one of you. Whatever your job, you made people's lives better. But I get to hear from the people come up and tell me their stories. And I cannot tell you how many times someone has said to me, we used to not talk about this problem. We used to hide it. Now we talk about it. We used to not be able to get help. Now we can. Someone said to me the other day, a dear friend, that when mental health first aid came out, they didn't know what to make of it. But they end up taking it. And then they had a crisis in their own family. And because of the training they got in mental health first aid, they were able to save a family member. It's one story of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands on one thing we did. If you want to feel good about life, meet one of the families who got an affordable apartment and knows it's theirs now for decades to come. If you want to feel good about life, talk to a family that got pre-K for their child that would never have had an alternative they could afford. Talk to the families who had multiple kids in pre-K and 3Ks. Those are very happy families. <laughs> is they, of course, for a moment tell you how great it was for their kids and their development, but then they immediately go to the bottom line and say, but we saved a lot of money. <laughs> and we wanted them to save a lot of money. We wanted to put money back in the pockets of working people, and we did in so many ways. There has been no stronger example of focusing on working people than what you have done. You have refocused the city of New York on working people. You have put money back in people's pockets. You've changed people's lives. So, I will wrap it together this way, and then I want to make some very special presentations. I will wrap it together by saying, we dreamed a dream, all of us together. We believed that we did not have to accept a series of injustices. We did not have to live with a status quo that wasn't working for the people we represent. And any one of you could have said, this mission is too hard. But no one ever said that. You all accepted the mission. And then you gave it your heart and your soul. And this city is so much the better because of you. And the changes will last. They will last. What happened in these eight years? More than we dreamed of happened in these eight years because we put together a dream team and you showed that change is possible not just what we've done what more can be done you've shown the whole world 
Terrible man. Terrible city. He messed it up. Alright, time for a great song to finish that guy. I'm telling you. This one is going to be a great one. I'm going to sing along and add the news. that Bill de Blasio is out. I'm leaving today. I want to be part of it. New York, New York, these vagabond shoes. Stray right through the very heart of it. It's New York. I messed I messed it up. New York, New York. I live in a city that sleeps, and I live in a dump. In a city Oh man, that's great that we have Bill de Blasio, who currently lives in um, uh, Park Slope. Yeah. Um, yeah. He spoke to the media for an hour, by the way. All right, let's get to one thing that the media is actually Joe Biden is trying to get to. Remember this? I am here to deliver this message on behalf of the entire White House. Let me be clear, the violence we saw yesterday at our nation's capital was appalling, reprehensible, and antithetical to the American way. We condemn it, the President and this administration, in the strongest possible terms. It is unacceptable, and those that broke the law should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. I stood here at this podium the day after a historic church burned amid violent riots, and I said this. The First Amendment guarantees the right of the people to peaceably assemble. What we saw last night in Washington and across the country was not that, end quote. Make no mistake, what we saw yesterday afternoon in the halls of our Capitol, likewise, was not that. We grieve for the loss of life and those injured, and we hold them in our prayers and close to our hearts at this time. We thank our valiant law enforcement officers who are true American heroes. What we saw yesterday was a group of violent rioters undermining the legitimate First Amendment rights of the many thousands who came to peacefully have their voices heard in our nation's capital. Those who violently besieged our capital are the opposite of everything this They're blaming Kayla McEnany, several people, for the January 6th riot. 
I'm going to play you what Donald Trump said. Here we go. This holiday, Verizon has the deal that gets Not better that. better. I'm going to play you the exact words, what he said. Um, and this is from coming from ABC, but they take out the word peaceful. I couldn't find the other This one. has been an incredible four years. Uh, we've accomplished so much together. I want to thank all of my family and my friends and my staff and so many other people for being here. I want to thank uh, you for your effort, your hard work. People have no idea how hard this family worked. They worked, and they worked for you. They could have had a much easier life, uh, but they just... They did a fantastic job. I just want to thank all of you, everyone. Uh, I want to thank Mark Meadows, who's here someplace right there. I want to thank Mark. But it's been, uh, it's been something very special. We've accomplished a lot. Our first lady has been a woman of great oh, grace. Is, um, and that was um, January 20th. Here's now it is up to Congress to confront this egregious it's assault on our democracy. <laughs> And after this, we're going to walk down, and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down. Anyone you want, but I think right here, we're going to walk down to the Capitol. And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. He didn't say the word. He said the word peaceful. But I couldn't find it. But I, um, he said the word peaceful. And listen to this. I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack on the United States Capitol. Like all Americans, I am outraged by the violence lawlessness, and mayhem. I immediately deployed the National Guard and federal law enforcement to secure the building and expel the intruders. America is and must always be a nation of law and order. The demonstrators who infiltrated the Capitol have defiled the seat of American democracy. To those who engaged in the acts of violence and destruction, you do not represent our country. And to those who broke the law, you will pay. We have just been through an intense election, and emotions are high. But now tempers must be cooled and calm restored. We must get on with the business of America. My campaign vigorously pursued every legal avenue to contest the election results. My only goal was to ensure the integrity of the vote. In so doing, I was fighting to defend American democracy. I continue to strongly believe that we must reform our election laws to verify the identity and eligibility of all voters and to ensure faith and confidence in all future elections. It's amazing, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to blame... Trump from any anything. They're trying to stop Trump from getting to run. 
from the um from the from the uh for the election they're trying to stop him and it's ridiculous what happens all right let's go on to the next we're going to play some sky news in a few minutes um we and what's going on in Australia and Israel. We're going to play that in a few minutes, but let's play our American news. Here we go. You're going to want to hear what this is all about. You may have heard of the company BlackRock. They manage roughly $10 trillion in assets. Well, it's using U.S. investors' voting power and pension fund money to support communist China and push the biggest companies in the world to be more woke. And it's all being done in the name of equality and diversification. Well, here to tell us what his state is doing to push back on that proxy voting authority is Florida's chief financial officer, Jimmy Petronas. Jimmy, good to see you again. Explain to me what Florida is doing and why. So great to be with you. I hope you had a Merry Christmas. Look, last last month, early this month, uh, the governor, Ron DeSantis, Ashley Moody, myself, we are the SBA. We're the State Board of Administration. We're the trustees over all states' investments. So we have about $245 billion under management. We decided to assert our seats at the table with our voting rights. We're going to make sure that we're going to make investments in the best interests of the citizens of the state of Florida and not necessarily have it all solely focused on Chinese or woke businesses. We're going to make sure that these money managers are focused on returns, being fiduciary responsible, not trying to change culture or re-engineer society. So basically, you guys got about $250 billion bucks and you owned a bunch of shares and BlackRock managed it for you, right? And then they would go to the meetings. Sure. And say, well, we want somebody on the board to fulfill this kind of diversity and inclusion and equality, or we want the company to do this. But they were doing that with your money, right? Correct, exactly. With our with our votes, and I, I tell I tell people all the time, you know, if you don't engage in the voting process, you get the government you deserve. This is no different what the state of Florida is doing with the companies we invest in. We're paying more attention now than ever before on how these companies are being managed, what their board of directors look like, what policies they're considering. And we're asserting ourselves at the table to make sure that's in the best interest of the citizens of the state of Florida. And we will move the needle. So let me just if you're. I get it. If I have a pension in the state of Florida, uh, then, then that matters for me. But if I'm just a regular old investor or I'm sitting at home with an IRA, is there any similar analogy to, to the average person's life that may not have a, a pension with the state of Florida that's sitting home and saying, okay, do, do, is there something in my world that's happening like that? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if you're invested in a, in a say you've got stocks in Amazon or if you've got stocks in, in Google, if you have it through a, a personal brokerage account, you sometimes have access to your 401k, you can have those voting proxies, those voting shares, your voting rights sent to you in the form of a ballot. And you will fill out that ballot. You'll select new board members. You'll vote on policies. And sometimes they'll tell you on the ballot that the board of directors does not recommend you vote for these policies. So, uh, so there's even an influence from the board 
on one way or the other when you get these ballots. So again, the state of Florida, we're going to bring these proxies in-house, and we're not going to let maybe a fund manager who's being too woke make investments that are not in the best interest of the state of Florida's dependence on China. We've all saw that over the last two years. Uh, is there aggression towards the West? And maybe, just maybe, we need to start putting our money somewhere else. So if I'm sitting at home and I have an E-Trade account or a Charles Schwab account or whatever, and I get those little envelopes, I should open them and take a look at what they're asking and, and get engaged. Because if you don't do that, then the Black Rocks of the world are the ones that are doing it on your behalf. Is that right? Absolutely. So when you get your annual statement, there'll be a board of directors. And it's like campaign materials. It'll have the profiles of candidates that are seeking reappointment to the board. You'll have a chance to vote affirmative or, or unaffirmative for them, or maybe new members. But there'll be bios there. Do your due diligence. You do your research like you would do for a candidate or an issue that was going to be on the November ballot. You should do the exact same thing when you get your proxies from the companies you invest in. So when you call up BlackRock and say, hey, uh, we're going to be doing the voting now, what, what was the reaction? <laughs> the meeting was uh, was the first week of the second week of December when we had the meeting. Uh, our SBA. Yeah, um, didn't go too well, okay, but here we go. <laughs> Next. Next is the Let's Go Branding guy. I'm sure everyone remember that guy when uh, he... Um, the uh, guy who said it to Joe Biden. Here we go. Well, unless you live under a rock, you've no doubt seen a story from last weekend, the so-called Let's Go Brandon Dad. You know the guy who actually got Joe Biden to say the phrase, Let's Go Brandon? You, the memes just write themselves at this point. Well, I hope you have a wonderful hey, Christmas. Well, yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Uh, Merry Christmas you. and... Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Clueless, bumbling, Mr. Magoo, we have in the White House just agreed to go blank himself. God help us. So the left-wing media immediately pounced on the dad for making a joke. This was a joke, folks. It was not an insult. It was just a joke. Come on. Forgetting that many of the heroes, all, you know, all those people on the left that they held up on podiums, F. Trump and that woman who you know, held up a you know, fake bloody head of Donald Trump, Robert De Niro, you had it all. They, they cheered them on, but guy says one more thing. You remember De Niro? Listen to this. I'm going to say one thing. F Trump. The year I turned 12. The age where you transfer from boy to man. Walwell couldn't resist piling on the congressional cry baby tweeting, listen to this. Don't waste your time on the pathetic dad who humiliated his family to say F you to the president on Christmas Eve. He's irrelevant. Spend your time asking why Republican leaders aren't celebrating him. This isn't my parents' Republican Party. This is, this, this is the crew who are indecent to their core. Right, coming from the guy who farted on national TV. But lighten up, Eric. Your concern should be how your president is failing. We want him to succeed. Nobody gets on an airplane and says, hey, I hope this airplane crashes because I don't like the pilot. No, we all want Joe Biden to succeed. We just think his policies are complete garbage. 
So in the, I mean, in the sense of every word, and it, it's been exposed not only to those at home, but our enemies abroad. He got the guy to say, let's go, Brandon, to himself. Well, joining us now to discuss this, Jared Schmeck joins us live. Jared, I appreciate you joining the program on this. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so let's set the stage here. I mean, look, are you a type of guy who would stand on stage and say, F Joe Biden? Absolutely not. See, and, and that's the thing is a lot of people say, like, you know, this let's go Brandon thing is like a vanilla term to just kind of lighten the mood a little bit. And it's funny. It's on T-shirts. It's all everywhere. And we got we saw it from the left. So why is it so bad for you to say this? And how did you feel, actually, when Joe Biden said it back to you? <laughs> well, I didn't hear him say it back to me because they cut the phone call as soon as they said, let's go, Brandon. I, I didn't know that that happened or that it was even being live streamed until I saw it on social media about 10 minutes later. And uh, and I laughed pretty hard when, when I when I watched that video. Uh, the reason that we know why they're mad. I mean, it, it's we, we know why they're mad. He's right. the one who said it. Um, and uh, frankly, the mainstream media are the ones who made uh, the let's go Brandon term. And it is, it is meant in humor, but it is obviously, it encompasses more than just Joe Biden. This is our frustration with his administration and their policies, just like you said. I mean, Afghanistan, what's happening in Afghanistan, they're not even talking about that anymore. And there's still people over there. Right. Uh, You've got the supply chain issues. You've got the insane inflation rates right now. Um, The the federal vaccine mandates, the, the list goes on right. and it, people are tired of it. And people, not just people in America, people around the world know what's going on with this. Yeah. And, but that's the problem too. It's like, you know, they, they, like we just saw, they cheered on this type of vulgarity against Trump and it was, nothing was off the table, his family, his finances, his business, his kids, whatever. And, you know, you, you go on and say something like this, be like, look, dude, you can you can criticize you all you want, but people are actually coming after you with death threats now. No, that's correct. Yeah, that is that is true. The party of civility is uh, not so civil, I guess. Um, they're going crazy though. Right, look at this. So father, look at these headlines. Father uses vulgar insult. Uh, insult. Uh, during holiday call with President Joe Biden. They go on to say, here's another one. Parent uses right-wing slur during Biden call with NORAD, Santa Tracker. How do you, what do you make of these? Well, if we want to talk about vulgarity, we should look at what the Biden administration is doing to this country and to the world. That's, that's vulgar. Yeah. No, it really is. So... You've got kids, obviously. You're 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 your average guy. I mean, you 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 strike me. I was talking to you off air a little bit. You seem like a totally average dude. You don't have any animosity towards Biden on a personal level. You're just a you just don't like his policies. You don't you don't you're not unhinged. You're not ready to go storm the castle or anything like that. You're just annoyed that you're paying sixty percent more at the pump. So, what's your message to some of these you know bloggists in their mom's basement in a beanbag, naked eating Cheetos, saying that you're this terrible person? Well, uh, my message is that we as Americans and as people around the world need to stand up to what's going on. Uh, This is bigger than uh, just the term. Let's go, Brandon. It's far bigger than uh, than I I think I even comprehended before uh, any of this happened. Um, And they're trying to silence me. Uh, They they, uh, do this. This is their tactic. Every single time something happens, it's always the same story. It's always the same game plan. And we have to stand up. And we're able to handle this in a humorous manner, uh, unlike the other side. Um, and I, for me personally, and I think for a lot of 
of people uh, that think the way I think is because our faith isn't in our government. It's in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, we have uh, more, more than just what's on this earth, but we have to fight for what we have while we're here. Uh, because if we don't, it'll get swept right out from under us. Yeah. So if you let's let's say you're sitting in the the same room as one of these journalists who's written one of these horrible pieces about you, criticizing you and your family, and with your you know claiming you have this tinfoil hat and that you want to overthrow democracy. What do you say to that CNN or MSNBC reporter? On you know, for the for the FCC airwaves friendly version. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess I could say let's go, Brandon. But yeah, uh, yeah when it when it comes down to it, it's uh, this this is democracy. What, what I am ex- exercising my rights as an American, um, and I have very real concerns. And I'm I'm well supported. There's so many people that have reached out in support because there are a lot of people concerned about what's going on. Uh, and in, in my opinion, they are uh, trying to to rip uh, that democracy from underneath our feet, mm-hmm. and it's scary. And we have to stand up. Yeah. So you know, you have a party of tolerance that spent you know four years saying that Trump was the most intolerant person in the world. We need to be all inclusive. You know, come join us. We're the party of free speech, free choice. Blah 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 blah. When you see stuff like this, um, what do you tell your kids when you're like, look, guys, like these headlines that are now there forever about me are not true. Uh, that's a it's a tough one, but my kids uh, they've got. Uh, good heads on their shoulders. I mean, two of them are, are too young to understand what's going on, but mm. but my two boys understand what's going on. And, uh, you know, we've talked about it. We've prayed about it together. We've talked about uh, the fact that as an American, um, you have, uh, this is the only country where, where we're able to, you know, vote and hopefully our vote is legitimate. Mm-hmm. And um, we're able to voice our opinions. We're able to actually take action to make changes um, for the betterment of our country. And you nailed it on the head when you said you, no one gets on an airplane hoping that it's going to crash. We all want Joe Biden to succeed. We want this country to succeed. Um, and I, I do that separates us from the other side. Yeah. Um, and that's that's really I got to say about that. Yeah. Well, Jared, look, stay safe out there. And, you know, I, I'm in the Socialist Republic of Connecticut. You ever feel threatened? You can come stay with me, man. I got tons of guns. I'm a safe guy. We'll barbecue and we'll be happy. All right. We'll, we'll you know, <laughs> raise the MAGA flag. But, uh, you know, we're, we're a respectful bunch as much as they hate us. So, Jared Schmeck, we appreciate you joining us tonight, sir. That's the um, <clears throat> the guy who said, let's go, Brandon, to Joe Biden. Um. He planned to. He planned to do some stuff in the government, possibly, but whatever. Meanwhile, let's get to our emails. Email time with our Mac. Email time with our Mac. Here we go. Trump announces his first rally in 2022. Here are the details. According to Truth Press News, which is Trump news, um, January 15th, 2022, 7 p.m. Uh, is the rally. In Country Thunder Festival Grounds in Florence, Arizona. Uh, gates open at 8 a.m. 
doors open at and open for live entertainment begins at 2 p.m. Pre-programmed speaker deliver marks at 5 p.m. And then 7 p.m. is Donald Trump. This report is from RSBN. Trump loves RSBN. On Thursday evening, will be uh, hosted. Um, he was hosted on RSBN after two month break. Uh, Trump was on a hiatus. He uh, tickets can be found on. Events uh, on Trump's website, Save America, Donald J. Trump. Com dash events, and you can find that there. It's all for free, folks. It's all for free. You can do media requests and get a uh, get a media request valid email. Um, registered with your appropriate media outlet using your email not associated with your outlet may cause a delay. Uh, do not use one email address for the, your entire media outlet. This might result into in, incorrect denied requests. Um, if you have a truck... You can say yes or no, uh, but I will not be going. I wish I could go. <laughs> Next, the FDA warns that the Pfizer's pill causes life-threatening re reactions when used with many common medications. Pfizer's antiviral oral drug um, developed to treat COVID-19 can cause se severe or life-threatening effects uh, when used with the common medications, including anticoagulants and some antidepressants, some cholesterol, lowering stain statins according to the food to the FDA FDA does not recommend um Paxlovid Lovid um for those who are who with severe kidney or liver disease the FDA um said that on December 22nd granted emergency use for the treatment but I'm not sure why they approved this pill. Meanwhile, Trump Truth. Trump's history with the vaccine, a new theory conf confirmed. We continue to report that one story, mind these, which is why is Trump pushing the vaccine? I have more to add to the story today, starting with President Trump history on vaccines. Some of you may not know 
or may not remember all of these out year out of this year before he was present warning the dangers of the vaccines while his Twitter account was infamously infamously deleted. Let's start by talking at taking a look what he had historically. Um, he said, I've gotten many letters from people fighting autism, thanking me start, for starting how for stating how dangerous 38 vaccines on a um, continuous. And then he wrote, uh, that was April 12th, 2012. And then 2014, he wrote, healthy young child goes to a doctor, gets pumped with a massive shot of vaccines. Uh, doesn't feel good. And changes autism. Many such cases. To be fair, he his Twitter, his tweets in 2014 made clear he wasn't a, against all vaccines, just against the large dump vaccines all at once. See this in 2014. Um, he wrote that in April not on April 9th. 2014, so many people don't understand. I'm a big prominent of vaccines for children. Just not the massive dose. Spread them out over time. With autism way up, being way up, what do we have to lose? By having doctors give small doses of vaccines versus big pump vaccines into tiny bottles. And then he that was twenty fourteen and then this is also in twenty fourteen. I'm not saying that give vaccines I'm not saying by small doses over the period of time. Not massive doses for a child. It's a great point. I'm not a big fan of the vaccine in general, this guy wrote, but at the very least, why can't we spread them out? I have a personal experience, this guy wrote on this topic as a parent, young child, and I asked my doctor why we couldn't simply spread them out one week apart, each one. He had no answer at first. Then he tried to say it was for my convenience. And he said, I don't care. Um, I'll bring them in for 38 appointments. I'll pay the insurance copay each time. Took the argument away, but he still didn't have any answer. Then he started to get mad. It was at that point he found a new doctor. <laughs> Excuse me. But as you hear, <laughs> hang on. All right. So that's that. Um, next, let's get to more emails. Here we go.
people are texting me, wishing me well. That's why. Um, next. <sighs> CDC makes a quite a surprise. Quite a surprise. Listen to this. They wrote, The Omicron variant isn't quite as widespread as CDC previously led people to believe. The agency said on December 20th, 73% of the cases across the United States were Omicron up from 0.7 two weeks before um, revised 22.5. So their data is being ridiculous and they're basically doing what they do to the elections and rig up the numbers of course all right next um AOC claims that Republicans are mad at her because they wanna they want to date her. Nope. AOC comes on fire after she caught partying in Florida and Miami while her home state of New York sees alleged record numbers in COVID infections. Critic have printed out hypocrisy that AOC was heavily pushed pushed COVID mandates in other states and then go on vacation in one of the few states without mandates, specifically critics referenced a picture of her and her boyfriend hanging out in Miami Beach and drinking cocktails. It's okay. Though, because AOC is had a, the very best response uh, to those criticizing her, she says that the Republicans criticizing her are just mad because that she went on a date. She, they want to date her. If Republicans are mad, they can't date me. They can just instead project projecting their blank frustration 
onto my boyfriend. <laughs> ah, she's a weirdo. She's basically a weird and drama queen. That's she's she's just a weirdo. AOC. AOC. What do we have to do? <laughs> Schools are now vaccinating children without permission. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, there's schools in blue states are making it clear that to parents that they will be using that they will use every dirty trick to, at their disposal to vaccinate children without, with or without um, explicit parental consent. Whether you can do is, they're using one example, Dr. Dr. Says, um, said, uh, comes from LAU. She says that her kid was vaccinated without her consent in exchange for pizza. How ridiculous is that? And then she says, yes, someone offered her, offered it in exchange for pizza, the woman said. It was ridiculous. It's really ridiculous how these school boards are saying, vaccinate kids, vaccinate kids, and look at me. Look at me. I'm currently vaccinated, and I am Currently with COVID. I'm fine, but... The vaccine... Doesn't really work. Doesn't work? Yes, it does. But it doesn't really work, obviously. Because... It... Um... It doesn't really work if... It doesn't help anyone... Next. All right, let's go to our continue with our videos. Listen to this. Nation and bravery make the United States. Thanks, Mike. So, um, Democrats continue to push uh, this tax and spending bill, and they're doing it at a time. <laughs> inflation is high and this bill is just going to increase inflation you saw in the last month uh, that inflation was uh, over six percent on an annualized basis I come from the Midwest it's actually over seven percent on an annual annualized basis and so we know inflation is a tax on everybody inflation is a tax on everybody on your food on your fuel on your housing you name it but it hits low-income people the hardest so it's a tax on everybody, but it hits low-income people the hardest. Now Democrats want to double down on that. And by increasing taxes and increasing regulation, they're also 
running the risk of putting our economy in stagflation. Yes, which is ridiculous. All right, next. It has to be done. It's more testing. Because Omicron spreads easily, especially among the unvaccinated, it's critically important that we know who's infected. That means we need more testing. And on that score, we're now where we should be. We're not. We don't have tests. We don't have people for testing. People are getting stressed. And people go to private places. Like what I said. Please go. If you're trying to go go get tested for COVID, um, find your nearest private tester. I went to a private tester to find out that I had COVID tonight. And it was it was wonderful. I was in and I was out. And she called this person called um this person told me on site that I had COVID. And I was out the door. And bravery make the United States the greatest country on earth. This is Thank the you for your service the and your military service. A senator. Alright. Gets worse. It's getting worse day by day. Alright, next. Just think of Biden. Just think of Biden. He says, don't make the vaccines uh, divisive. Don't make the vaccines divisive. You are t- trying to take people's jobs away over this issue. You are trying to plunge people into destitution. You are taking away their livelihoods. Nobody else is doing that. You are the one that's being divisive about this. To to say to a police officer who's been working uh, this whole time, or a nurse, or a firefighter, that now they lose their job? Way before there was any vaccines, and we even knew what the heck was going on with, 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 you know, go back to March, April 2020. There's so much unknowns. Those guys had to answer the call. Patient comes in, the nurses are there caring for them. Someone calls 911, the police and the fire, they're there. And they had to put, put themselves on there. And now you're going to toss them aside? So, so he is the one that's being divisive on this. We believe people should be able to make their own decisions. That's Mr. Governor, actually, Governor um, DeSantis, which is great. Next. Oh, my God, it's just such an unbelievable moment. Brandon, you also told me. Oh, my God. Remember that. All right, next. Of COVID cases in the state, a record was shattered today. Florida reporting nearly 47,000 new cases in just the last 24 hours. The current cases now pushed Florida to more than 4 million since the pandemic. Of course they're going to do that. Next. Matt, what does the end of this eviction moratorium on December 31st mean for tenants here in our state? Could we start to see evictions starting as early as next week? It's it's possible, yes. Uh, the, uh, the moratorium for evictions ends in New Jersey, um, which means that evictions can start happening in New Jersey as soon as this week so my prayers go out to everyone all right next dr fauci positive in your pcr for a 
here on why uh, isolation guidelines don't include suggesting a negative antigen test. If people can get one, why shouldn't they check to make sure they aren't infectious before they leave isolation? And then the second one, I guess, maybe for Dr. Fauci, can we get a clear recommendation? Should Americans cancel their New Year's Eve plans? Thank you. Dr. Walensky. Yeah, so um, the, we do know that certainly a PCR, you can stay positive in your PCR for a long period of time. But with regard to the question of your antigen is we do not know how well those antigen tests perform at day five in detecting transmissibility. And it is for that reason that we would say, even if you had a negative test, we would want you to mask. And even if you had a positive test, we would also want you to mask. And therefore, given that the, these these antigen tests are not authorized for use in this way. We did not recommend them at that time. Dr. Fauci, New Year's Eve. Uh, yes, uh, thank you very much for that question. So similar to what I said uh, for the Christmas holiday, it goes true here. If you are in a situation with a family setting in your home with family, parents, children, grandparents, and everyone is vaccinated and boosted, although the risk is never zero in anything, the risk is low enough that we feel you should continue to go through with those plans of having a home-related, vaccinated, boosted gathering with family and close friends who are also vaccinated and boosted. So it really depends on what your plans are. You said, should you change or cancel your plans? If your plans are to go to a 40 to 50 person New Year's Eve party with all the bells and whistles and everybody hugging and kissing and wishing each other a happy new year, I would strongly recommend that this year we do not do that. He cancels New Year's. So he canceled himself because <laughs> it happened. Vaccinations that are available. When do you think this pandemic is, I mean, when are we, when's it going to be done? When are we going to get back to normal? Well, you know, uh, it's a high probability that the vaccinations that are available today and the new one, Johnson Johnson, God willing, will prove to be useful. <laughs> CDC panel recommends Pfizer Moderna vaccines over Johnson Johnson due to the blood risk. Blood top risk. That with those vaccinations, the ability to continue to spread the disease is going to diminish considerably. Your vaccinated, yes, vaccinated people can spread the COVID to others. Public health agencies like CDC and the World Health Organization says vaccinated people can spread the COVID. Others, others, despite recent claims, including one made by the president. Is going to diminish considerably because of what they call herd immunity. Five reasons why COVID herd immunity is probably impossible even with vaccination efforts in full force. The radical threshold um, Van 
vanquishing COVID uh, looks to be out of reach. By next Christmas, I think we'll be in a very different circumstance, God willing, than we are today. Different. So I don't want to overpromise anything here. Too late. take care of this i will end this i will make sure we have a plan it is highly unlikely the taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely it is highly unlikely that by the beginning of next year's school traditional school year in september we are not significantly better off than we are today this month, September 2021, is now on track to be the deadliest month in the coronavirus pandemic since February. Terrible man. Next. Wearing a three-ply surgical mask. Don't wear a cloth mask. Cloth- this is, uh, Dr. This is the mayor of Boston. Masks are little more than facial decorations. Today. Cloth masks are not appropriate for this pandemic. It was it's not appropriate for Omicron. It was not appropriate for Delta, Alpha, or any of the previous variants either, because we're dealing with something that's airborne. Cloth masks are not appropriate for this pandemic. Why didn't you say this to me when I was alive? It was it's not appropriate for Omicron. It was not appropriate for Delta, Alpha, or any of the previous variants either. About seven thousand flights with either. Um. She's a ridiculous person. All right, next. 7,000 flights were delayed. About 7,000 flights were either delayed or canceled today across the U.S., counting inbound and outbound flights. This is because of severe weather and also because of the COVID outbreak that has caused shortages of staff, of crew members, and also pilots. Some of the airports that have been mostly impacted are the following that you see on screen. We know that Seattle, Tacoma, Newark, Liberty, John F. Kennedy in New York, Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, Atlanta, and Denver are some of those airports that have seen the biggest impact. It is important to know that here at Miami International, there's been about 200 flights that have been either delayed or canceled, both inbound and outbound. And I spoke to some travelers who are frustrated about this. One of them, spoke to me about his friend's flight that got canceled, and now he's here all alone. Next. So during hurricanes or other major events, the governor is front and center, leading the state's response. Well, the state is going through a major event right now, a record surge in COVID-19 cases, but the governor is nowhere to be found. So where is... Liberals saying that next. It's now time for your question of the day. Well, 49 years ago today, baseball lost an icon whose charitable work went further than his home runs. Who was it? Well, on December 31st, 1972, <clears throat> future Hall of Famer Roberto Clemente and four others died in a plane crash, stunning the world of sports and beyond. A humble humanitarian, Clemente was delivering emergency supplies he personally collected to Nicaragua after a devastating earthquake. Few came close to matching Clemente's prestigious abilities on the field with 15 all-star nods and a dozen gold gloves. Next. Next. 
We need a recovery that brings back the life and the heart and the energy of this city and that everyone gets to be a part of. And we're going to do that. We're going to really bring back the heart and soul of New York City. We need our arts and culture back and we need people to see it and feel it, to participate in it, to know that that essence of New York City. This was 10 months ago when he wanted to open the city up. Bill Blasio. And this is his One of the final best video. Ways to fight. This is his final video. Climate change is to go back to the water. It's to get away from a society, an economy dominated by big trucks. The blue highway should be full right now. Because every time something moves on the blue highway, it's not moving on our streets. It's freeing up our streets. It's reducing the pollution. It's making our lives better. And then for that last mile, look at these vehicles. I love this. Not an 18-wheeler, but a, a small, energy-efficient vehicle that just brings just the right amount to just the right place. If you want to talk about quality of life in New York City, let's get everything on the water as quickly as we can. That was talking about UPS. Now, let's talk about Eric Adams. Ever wondered about... We haven't seen before. New York State hit an all-time daily record of positive cases today, more than 74,000, and that sent positivity rates to over 22%. This comes on the day New York City Mayor-elect Eric Adams reveals his strategy to fight COVID-19 and the highly contagious Omicron variant. He unveiled what he's calling a six pillar plan and that includes vaccines support for hospitals and other congregate settings testing treatment slowing the spread and safer schools the mayor says we can't shut the city down again cbs 2's dave carlin is live in times square with details dave Dana Adams is not officially mayor yet, but acting very mayoral today. He laid out his COVID plan for his administration, and then he came here to Times Square. Mayor-elect Eric Adams walked around the theater district lunchtime Thursday to show the world New York City is open for business. It also sends this symbol across the entire globe that New York is open for entertainment and business. He said his administration already has a COVID plan designed to keep it that way. It was dueling COVID briefings Thursday for Bill de Blasio and Eric Adams. Even before Adams officially takes over, he is laying out the incoming administration's plans. We can't shut down our city again. We can't allow the city to go further into economic uh, despair. While not much is strikingly different from the de Blasio administration, there are differences, said Adams. He said he wants to improve communication with the public in more languages. He says the focus will be on enhanced masks that offer better protection. In January alone, the city gets 2 million KN95s and the like. He says the city will be more business friendly, laying down rules, but not heavy handed with punishment. As for schools, he promised more testing for students. City Health Commissioner Dr. Dave Choksi joined him to explain the status of vaccine mandates for schools. The city will set a deadline of this spring for a decision about a vaccine mandate in schools to commence later in 2022. We're going to get through this with facts and not fear. We're going to get through this by being prepared. The mayor-elect says there is much hope 
new antiviral pills are touted as a very effective treatment. When these pills become available for mass distribution, we're going to ensure that it is done in an equitable fashion. The incoming mayor says he wants New York City offices filled with people, schools filled with teachers and kids, and the lights on for Broadway plus restaurants, sporting events, and every other kind of tourist draw. It was on this sidewalk outside the Richard Rogers Theater, which houses Hamilton, that he gave New York's vital theater industry this plug. But I love the theater. Thank you. <laughs> it, it, is, it, is, it is my therapy. And Adams says the city will immediately start studying whether vaccine mandates need to include boosters. Live in Times Square. This holiday, Verizon has the deal that gets better. Next. Listen to this. This is wonderful. My name is Sylvia Heinz Radix, and I'm an Associate Justice of the New York Appellate Division, Second Department. I am honored to join you here tonight on this auspicious occasion. As Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. We are facing challenges. However, tonight we will swear in the 110th mayor of our great city. A man whose dedication and vision for the city is steadfast and unwavering. Mr. Mayor, would you please raise your right hand and repeat after me. He's holding his mother in the right hand, by the way, and the left hand on the Bible. I, Eric Adams. I, Eric Adams. I, Eric Adams. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. That I will support the Constitution. That I will support the Constitution. Of the United States. Of the United States. The Constitution of the State of New York. The Constitution of the State of New York. And the Charter of the City. And the Charter of the City. Of New York. Of New York. And I will faithfully. And I will faithfully. Discharge the duties. Discharge the duties. Of the office. Of the office. Of the Mayor of the City of New York. Of the Mayor of the City of New York. According to the best of my ability. To the best of my ability. So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations. It seems like he's a very religious guy. It seems like that. A lot of people who are African American are very religious. It seems like he's very religious. All right, he spoke. Let's listen to this. This was um, pledge support to the police um, after a uh, crime. 
Oh, thank you uh, very much. It has been a, a busy day uh, from last night, uh, bringing in the new year. Uh, the commissioner and I and the first debt, uh, we joke about my motto, if you're going to hang out with the boys and the girls, you got to get up with the men and the women in the morning. And we have done that. And there's probably no more a, of a significant visit uh, for this historical journey than coming here to the 103rd Precinct. You know my story. This is the precinct. I was arrested and beat as a child. And to return here and address a roll call with a group of mainly young officers, and send a very clear and loud message. The commissioner and the deputy commissioner and I want to tell our police officers we have their backs. We have their backs to do their job. But there is a covenant that we are establishing. We're establishing this covenant where we will give them the tools and the support that they need. But we are also going to hold them to a high standard. We are not allowing abusive officers to remain among our ranks. Not only was I a captain in the police department, but my brother was a sergeant and several of my first cousins followed me in. We know how difficult the job is. And we know there's a noise out there that you can't have public safety and justice. They are wrong. And we are going to prove them that they are wrong. The overwhelming number of New Yorkers, they want to see their police. They want their police to be part of their communities. It sounds amazing, and it's amazing. So God willing, New York City will be back to normal. And here's his Safely first deliver Good afternoon, my fellow New Yorkers. This morning I took the oath of office. to become your mayor. Just after midnight in Times Square, with thousands of people gathered to ring in the new year. I want to thank our essential workers, our TA employees, our police officers, firefighters, EMS sanitation, who worked to safely deliver a successful celebration. And I want to recognize our nurses and other hospital staff who are working hard to keep our city open 24 hours a day by caring for patients ill with COVID and other illnesses. These past two years, our city workers, including educators, agency personnel, and all the women and men who keep New York running have made sacrifices for their city again and again. Every day I am in office, I will remember their commitment to the city and be inspired by it. I say thank you. I chose Times Square 
as the site of my swearing in because I take this important office as a time of great challenges for our city. And I wanted New Yorkers and the world to be reminded of two things right away as my administration begins. First, that despite COVID-19 and its persistence, New York is not closed. It is still open and alive because New Yorkers are more resilient than the pandemic. And second, that New York can and should be the center of the universe again, bustling, thriving, electric with the energy of people, and patient with the imperfect word, sharpening and shaping it, leading it to something better through this sheer will and talent. We all need that reminder right now. We have lived through two years of continuous crises, and that insults our very nature as New Yorkers. The crisis tells us that it is in charge, that it is in control. The crisis wants to tell us we can be happy, when we can be sad, when we can work, and how we can enjoy our city. The crisis wants to tell us how to live. But there's one thing everyone knows about New Yorkers. We don't like anyone telling us what to do. Yet, unemployment remains high. Crime is high. COVID cases are high again. So how do we get our city back? My fellow New Yorkers, the answer is simple. We will get our city back by making a commitment to each other right here, right now, beginning today. This will be our New Year's resolution. We will not be controlled by crisis. Instead, we'll make this city better every day through actions big and small, Getting vaccinated is not letting the crisis control you. Enjoying a Broadway show, sending your kids to school, going back to the office, these are declarations of confidence that our city is our own. Of course, government must do its job to allow New Yorkers to make these choices safely. And government must do better. Our government has been dysfunctional for far too long. And it created its own crisis long before COVID. Whether it was crime-ridden communities, poor schools, economic inequality, or racial injustice, our problems have been normalized for generations while New York's government struggled to match the energy and innovation of New Yorkers. That changes today. I promise you one thing, New York. I will make our city better every day by making our city government better every day. That does not just mean grand plans and proposals. It means weeding out the waste and eliminating the inefficiencies. It's about accountability. This may seem like an obvious approach, but it is so practical that it has been forgotten. And now it's the time to be radically practical because a better city is not just about doing something new. It's about doing something right. It's not about showmanship. It's about showing up. That is why the theme of my first 100 days is GSD, Get Stuff Done. And I have assembled a government that will solve New York's problems because it understands New Yorkers. 
My administration looks like the city it represents. It's diverse and includes individuals who struggled here just like so many of you, often failed by the very system that now oversee. I am one of them. I am one of you. My mother worked as a cook and a house cleaner, barely keeping a roof over our heads and food on the table in South Jamaica, Queens, no matter how hard she worked. I was bused to school because our school was failing. I was ridiculed, ridiculed because I had an undiagnosed learning disability. I was a dishwasher and a clerk, and I went to school at night to get my degree before becoming a cop. I was arrested as a teenager. I was beaten by police, and later today, I will go back to that same precinct house, and I will address the officers there as their mayor. The beginning of my story is like so many others in this city, so many of which end in sorrow instead of triumph. But with a better city government and a laser focus on taming COVID, turning our economy around and lowering crime, we can add glory to more New York stories. But to do this, we must also put down the weapons of rhetoric and reach for results. The ideological wars of our recent political past are more costly now than ever as we face such serious challenges. These fights divide us by forcing us to make forced choices rather than working together on practical solutions. Some will continue to say that we must choose between public safety and human rights, but we can have both. That is why I am going to put more resources into stopping violent crime while I work with Commissioner Sewell to bring reform to our police department. Some would say that there cannot be winners in our economic turnaround without being losers in the same time. I say no to that. We can have an economy that lifts up working people and brings prosperity to all New Yorkers. And that is why I will work with big employers, small businesses, unions, everyday workers to remove whatever barriers lay in front of them so they can thrive. And some would say that we must choose between shutting down our city and endangering New Yorkers with COVID. I say no to that as well. This is 2022, not 2020. With vaccines, testing, and treatments, we have the tools now to live with this virus and stay healthy if we all do our part to keep each other safe. So we would choose not to make false choices. We would choose the truth, which is that we all want the same thing, a safe, prosperous, healthy city where we can raise our children and all New Yorkers can thrive, regardless of background, belief, or orientation. As I begin here today at City Hall, I look to my predecessors for perspectives. And I think we can all learn from their wise words. My good friend and mentor, the recently departed Mayor David Dinkins, famously called New York a gorgeous mosaic in his inauguration speech 32 years ago, an observation as true today as it was then. He also pledged that his administration will never lead by dividing, by setting some of us against the rest of us, or by favoring one group over others. I pledge to do the same. 
But perhaps the words that resonates the most with me in this moment are from Mayor Koch's inauguration speech 12 years before Mayor Dinkins. When this city was facing a financial crisis that set it on the verge of ruin, Mayor Koch said, these have been hard times. We have been tested by fire. We have been drawn across the knife edge of poverty. We have been inundated by problems. We have been shaken by troubles that have destroyed any other city would have destroyed. But we are not any other city. We are New York and New York in adversity towers above any other city in the world. And Mayor Koch added, New York is not a problem. It's a stroke of genius. I know when you know we are. I agree with him then as a boy. I agree with him now. So today we remember our strength. We face our fears and we start anew, confident that crisis will not define us. The last two years have trapped our spirit and is begging to be let out. We have been stifled. We have been asleep. But we are a city of nine million dreams. And we're about to wake up. Can I wait? to greet this new day with you. I thank you from the bottom of my heart, New Yorkers. My mother has transitioned in April during the campaign season. And she's no longer with me physically. But this city betrayed her like it has betrayed so many other mothers and families. That betrayal stops. This is our city. Nothing is going to define us. Nothing is going to stop us. We're going to renew our spirits again. Let's do it together. I know and you know, if I can borrow from the great owner of Snapple Soft Drinks, we're going to win because we're made up of the best stuff on earth. We are New Yorkers. Thank you. Sounds amazing. It's amazing. I love it. All right, next. Do you remember this person? Betty White passed away yesterday at age 99. God bless her. I don't know who it is, but whoever it is. Remember this flashback? Next, listen to this. The Let's Go Brandon Coin becomes a sponsor for NASCAR's Brandon Brown. How iconic is that? It's an actual car. They made a home video for him. 
the Chevrolet. And it's made by trade. Let's go Brandon Co. Coin. Ever wondered about... <laughs> Coming 2022 Xfinity Series season. Brandon released the news to his Instagram where he shared that LGBCoin.io would be his primary sponsor for the season. He also revealed the new paint scheme for his 68 car with red, white, and blue incorporating the American flag and, of course, LGBCoin, his new sponsor. However, according to a PR strategist who represents Brandon Brown and Brandon Built Motorsports, explained that NASCAR is now reviewing the details surrounding the new paint scheme. So, according to James Katulis, who is one of the main stockholders of LGB Coin, explained to USA Today that NASCAR initially approved the sponsorship deal, but the deal was only good if the paint scheme displayed only the acronym LGB and not the full saying of Let's Go Brandon. PR strategist for Brandon Brown could not speak further on those details or confirm because of not being a part of those talks with NASCAR. Now, another interesting piece to this is that apparently the paint scheme was supposed to be revealed on February 19th of 2022 at Daytona International Speedway. However, according to a recent article by USA Today, Fox Sports and Motorsports.com both reported that the deal with Brandon Brown, LGB Coin, and NASCAR has not yet been approved and that Brown's team jumped the gun after revealing the new paint scheme. But again, Brown's publicist says the deal was approved on paper before the new race car was revealed. Brown's publicist also told USA Today I don't know where the disconnect was, I don't know what happened, any internal conversations, but we're just going to try to work through whatever happens next. If y'all remember back in November of 2021, NASCAR spoke on how they felt about the Let's Go Brandon chant and its origin in NASCAR. NASCAR President Steve Phelps... So NASCAR doesn't like it. Next. Meanwhile... In Australia. Uh, so, as I mentioned yesterday, we have a new cutoff time uh, for our case numbers. So, today's case numbers are for the 24 hour period from 7 pm on the 31st of December until 7 pm uh, last night. We have 3,587 new cases. Uh, so, as I mentioned yesterday, we have a new cutoff time. Uh, for our case numbers. So today's case numbers are for the 24 hour period from 7 p.m. on the 31st of December until 7 p.m. Uh, last night. We have 3,587 new cases to report. This number is probably a little bit smaller, in fact, than I, we had expected, and it probably is relates to uh, testing occurring over the holiday period. So it won't be a surprise at all if in the next couple of days we see a significant increase in, in cases as more, more samples are tested and more people come forward. So that won't be a surprise in the next few days if we say, see a significant 
record numbers are coming in in Australia. Meanwhile, the Pope Francis calls for an end to domestic violence in New Year's. And Pope Francis has used his New Year's message to issue a call for an end to violence against women, declaring it's insulting to God. The Pope celebrated Mass at St Peter's Basilica on the day the Catholic Church marked its annual World Day of Peace. His homily focused on the theme of motherhood and women, using it to make his strongest call yet for an end to domestic violence. Remember, uh, next. Joining me now to talk about summer water safety is CEO of Surf Life Saving Australia, Adam Weir. A very good morning to you, Adam. And they are pretty tragic reminders of how important water safety are or is. Yeah, two, a couple of terrible stories. They're really tragic outcomes. And it is a really important reminder as we are anywhere celebrating a new year in 2022. Tim, and happy new year to you. Um, it's an important reminder about uh, what can happen around the water and the need for all of us to stay safe, look after each other um, and supervise children in and around the water. Have we had huge numbers at the beaches? The weather has been unseasonably hot, particularly down in Victoria, but it's been perfect beach weather in, in Sydney particularly. Well, it certainly is today. I'm, I'm down at Bondi at our um, headquarters at Bondi Beach and it's looking like a perler of a day uh, down at Bondi, Tim, and I'm sure there'll be lots of people here. But around the country, there's uh, lots of varied conditions. I know we've got a tropical cyclone up in northeast Queensland, which is uh, presenting some challenging conditions there. Many of the beaches up that part of the country are closed. Uh, but you know Yeah, be safe, everyone. And listen to the gods. All right, next. COVID-19 flushed one woman's holiday plans down the loop. This is Marissa Fortio with the most unusual seat on a trip from the U.S. to Switzerland via Iceland. Fortio spent around three hours quarantining in the plane's bathroom after she took a COVID test mid-flight. We boarded our flight and then probably um, an hour to an hour and a half in, I started I just all of a sudden this severe sore throat came on. I thought, okay, I'm gonna, just going to take a test. It's going to make me feel better. And immediately it came back. It's positive. Fodio, who is vaccinated and boosted and traveling with family, says she immediately told a flight attendant who tried to find a place where she would be least at risk of spreading the infection. And eventually they found one. It was a full flight. So she was going to look for um, ways to move people around. So I... Yeah. have a designated area just to quarantine by myself during the remainder of the flight um and after a while she couldn't find um she couldn't move people there were too many people on the plane um it was you know they had to get the meals out they had to get the drinks out so she asked if i would be okay staying in the bathroom and i opted to stay in the bathroom um i'm sure if i had said no can i please go back to my seat she would have said yes but i was too nervous um and I, you know, there were so many people on the flight. My dad is 70 and he was on the flight. Fodio made good use of the time alone, making a TikTok video of her experience, which has been viewed more than 4 million times. When she landed in Iceland, she quarantined for 10 days in a hotel room this time. The same flight attendant who helped her on the flight sent her some Christmas gifts to pass the time. Fodio was released from quarantine on Thursday and says she hopes to spend the remaining few days of her holiday with her family. 
The U.S. is shattering record this week with an average of about 356,000 COVID infections reported every day in the past week, according to Johns Hopkins University. As the world rang in the new year, the latest surge is sweeping across the U.S., pushing cases and hospitalizations to unprecedented levels. Experts warning a... Omicron has overtaken the Delta variant as Victoria's dominant COVID-19 strain as case numbers continue to grow. 1.7% of the state's positive cases were identified as Omicron two weeks ago. New sample testing indicates Omicron has become the most common strain across the state. Chief Health Officer Brett Sutton confirmed this in his daily update yesterday, saying community sample testing of positive cases for the Omicron variant indicates that is now the dominant strain of COVID-19 in the state. There are currently more than 24,100 active cases in Victoria. Transport Minister Ben Carroll says there are no plans for more restrictions despite the rising numbers. Actors Daniel Craig, Joanna Lumley and Vanessa Redgrave are among those named in the Queen's annual New Year's Honours list, as well as the UK's Chief Medical Officers. Craig, who bowed out from the James Bond franchise this year, has been recognised for his outstanding contribution to film. The actor now shares all of the honours that his fictional character James Bond achieved throughout the film's plots. Songwriter Bernie Taupin made it into the list, scoring a commander of the Order of British Empire, while veteran actors Joanna Lumley and Vanessa Redgrave were... Meanwhile, in Israel... In last week's Torah portion, we Now, in other news, the so-called twindemic of COVID and the flu in Israel at risk of becoming an unholy trifecta. This is H5N1, or the bird flu, picking up speed in the north as well. The following images may be hard to watch. אנחנו כאן באגמון החולה ושמורת החולה בעיצומה של התפרצות חריפה מאוד של שפעת עופות שפוגעת כאן באגורים למעשה הפגיעה החמורה ביותר בחיות הבר אי פעם. H5N1, a.k.a. the avian or bird flu, back with a vengeance in Israel. The outbreak discovered earlier this week in a northern moshav among the wild migrating crane and farmed poultry populations. And already at least 5,000 cranes have fallen dead from the disease, along with an estimated 700,000 hens who were either also killed by the virus or culled to prevent its spread. Top epidemiologists then also sounding the alarms for Israelis who are already battling both the seasonal flu and a fifth wave of coronavirus. Chair of Israel's National Council for Community Health, Professor Amnon Lahad, saying that, quote, the widespread nature of the avian flu is very concerning, particularly given that it's infecting chickens and not just wild birds. It's made the move from wildlife to stock animals, and we're hoping that it won't take the next step to humans, end quote. And this after Israeli media already reporting how the virus may have spread further by children who earlier visited the reserves and may have touched a stricken crane. Meantime, beyond reaction, an Israeli biotech startup hoping to be proactive in preventing mass deaths like this in the future. Exit, reportedly looking into DNA modifications using CRISPR-based technology to make Israeli chickens more resistant to the disease, especially as Israel is a major pit stop for twice-annually migrating birds. 
of the flu could easily spread back into and far beyond Israel's borders again. Regardless of whether this works and can be implemented quickly or not, though, it's too late for this current outbreak. So here are some ground rules. Bird flu typically spreads to humans in one of three ways, by touching infected birds, touching droppings or bedding, and killing or preparing infected poultry for cooking. So avoid any contact with all but your pet birds, as well as any markets where live animals are sold. Then wash your hands often with warm water and soap, especially before and after handling food, and make sure that you cook any eggs and poultry as thoroughly as you can. And then finally, if you believe that you may have been infected with bird flu, isolate and contact a doctor immediately. Symptoms usually appear within three to five days of infection and include fever, aching muscles, headaches, coughs, and shortness of breath, and occasionally diarrhea, stomach or chest pains, bleeding from the nose and gums, and conjunctivitis, a.k.a. pink eye. ILTV Plus, your news from Israel and more. To begin, not just early with COVID vaccines, but with anti-COVID pills as well. Israel set to receive its first shipment of Pfizer's game-changing treatment today. Signing off on the purchase over the weekend, the Israeli Ministry of Health finalizing a shipment of some 100,000 doses of pharma giant Pfizer-BioNTech's new anti-COVID pill. The shipment scheduled to arrive in Israel by Wednesday, December 29, and the treatment to be made available free of charge to all Israelis in high-risk groups. Hailed for its efficacy in early trials and marketed under the brand name Paxlovid, the U.S. FDA granting emergency authorization to the pill just earlier in the month. Clinical trials proving a 90% success rate in preventing severe COVID-related infections, hospitalizations, and deaths. Though the pill is just one more tool in the government's fight against repeatedly rising infections, particularly in the face of the Omicron variant, of which hundreds of new cases in Israel confirmed overnight. And Israel also seeing nearly 3,000 new cases of all strains for the second straight day, making for a total of 17,260 confirmed active infections. The spread rate at 2.48% and rising. Hospitals, meantime, bracing for an influx of patients reopening COVID wards in some cases for the fifth time. And this as other seasonal illnesses already pressuring their maximum capacities. Still, all that said, COVID-related hospitalizations remaining relatively steady for now. And nearly 90% of severe infections among the unvaccinated or high-risk groups. So to avoid what Prime Minister Naftali Bennett is calling a de facto lockdown, the government actually voting to relieve some of the restrictions on the public. For one, classrooms in red cities, grades one through six, where a student with COVID is verified, will shift to a reduced contact format as opposed to automatically switching to online learning. Further, quarantine regulations for travelers as well as for those who come in contact with infected persons updated again. Locally, fully vaxxed individuals who come in contact with the infected will only need to isolate until a negative test is received, after which they're asked to avoid crowded or recreational venues and high-risk demographics. The unvaccinated, on the other hand, must quarantine for a full week while undergoing tests as a condition of release. Then, internationally speaking, Israelis returning from red countries will undergo PCR tests and remain in home quarantine until a negative test is produced all while signed on to the Haskamon phone tracking app. Otherwise, travelers must isolate at designated hotels. And finally, the travel red list amended to include Mexico on top of the United States, the UK, the UAE, Canada, and select European countries. But overall, the listing reduced from 69 countries to just 15, with nearly all of Africa, Germany, Denmark, Belgium, and Italy rebranded as orange. ILTV Plus, your... 
All right, now if you're a fan of the Israeli staple bamba or any of Israel's other major snacks, then listen up because manufacturing company Osem is ruffling a lot of feathers this week. Several supermarket chains and activists are even calling for a boycott of their goods as the Israeli food giant is announcing a pending price hike of between 3 to 7% on all of its products. Here with the detailed analysis is economic consumer behavior expert and assistant professor Billy Abraham. Billy, thanks so much for being with us again. Now, Hello. we've heard of, of price hikes and threats of price hikes many times before. Osem is no stranger to this. But this situation seems different. You know, why? Where, where is this coming from? Why now? Well, uh, across the globe, really, not only in Israel, but also in the United States and Europe, uh, a lot of uh, manufacturing uh, manufacturers have to deal with a shortage in supply as opposed to increasing demand. And on the other hand, uh, the price of raw materials have increased substantially. If you look at metals and plastic and rubber and wheat and sugar, all of these things have increased substantially. And we're talking about double digit percentage points. Um, and that's why a lot of retailers until now, they were able to observe the increase in price. But now they're saying, that's it. You know, we can't take it anymore. And unfortunately, we have to pass on the prices to consumers. However, if you look at the average prices of raw materials in the world, it's nowhere near uh, the increase in prices that we're going to see here, meaning it's a lot higher. So if uh, Nuva or Strauss or Osem in this case wants to you know, increase prices to keep up with its expenses, it would have to increase prices by 40 or 50 percent. Wait, so, okay, so Osem's response then to, to, to this whole situation, because Osem defended the move as you expected, uh, and as you said, by pinning... Uh, by pinning it on their own. Curious how autocomplete works. So prices are going to be continuing going high. The annual ball drop in Times Square. Crews got right to work cleaning up. This year was a smaller crowd because of the pandemic, with about 15,000 people celebrating the new year in Times Square instead of the usual 60,000. The sanitation crews still had plenty of confetti to sweep off the streets. This year, revelers had to be vaccinated and masked and had more room to spread out. Last year, spectators were not allowed in Times Square. All right, we thank everyone um, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay well. And God bless everyone. Happy New Year's.